On today's episode of CorpCast, we continue our Better Know a Judge series with an interview with the newest member of the Court of Chancery, Joe Slights. Joe's going to talk about why he took a pay cut while his kids are in college, uh, his background, what he's looking forward to when he gets on the bench, what he's dreading when he gets on the bench, some advice for young lawyers, and the ever-helpful brief writing advice from a member of the court. Uh, so we hope you like it. Here we go. Hello and welcome uh, to CorpCast. We have another edition of Better Know a Judge. Uh, and we are honored to have an interview with the newest member of the Court of Chancery, Fresh Joe Slights. That's right. Joe, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for doing this. Uh, you know, I, I know you're busy right now, obviously, with a lot of things. A little bit of transition. Yes. <laughs> so, Joe, you know, you served the 12-year term on the Superior Court. A lot of people would say you've, you've done enough to serve the state of Delaware. You have kids in college why uh, the, why the pay you cut for reminding me of that yes <laughs> so so why the pay cut good question <laughs> uh, I sound like my wife uh, uh, Ellen will not be listening don't worry good that's good good to know uh, this has been a lifelong dream of mine this is a goal that I set early on I knew it was um, pie in the sky the stars have to line up but uh, I admire Obviously, the work of our Court of Chancery, admire the folks who have served on that court. Many of them have been role models for me over the years. And so um, I thought I would give this uh, a shot, and I'm honored to have been selected by the governor. I think it's going to be a, a really rewarding uh, opportunity, and I'm really excited about it. And you're Excited to go back to your area of birth, right? That's right. Going home. <laughs> uh, back to the land of muskrat soup, stew and, um, you know, good old Kent County, this heart of Delaware. So I'm really excited about that. We, My entire family is looking forward to that. The point of this podcast is to uh, have it out there so people can get to know you a little more Personally, obviously, they can read something on the internet or whatever, but you know, this also gives people a chance to have you tell the story in your words. And so, we're gonna, Kyle's going to ask you some questions, and I'll ask you some. Great. Well, thanks again, Your Honor, for uh, being with us today. Can you tell us a little bit about your career path and how that led to the judiciary? Sure. Um, I started, I uh, went to Washington and Lee University Law School, which is where I met my wife. Um, we knew while we were down there that we were coming back to Delaware. Ellen was from Texas, so that took a little bit of doing to get her to come back. But she landed a job at a great law firm here in Wilmington. Uh, I summer clerked to Schmittinger and Rodriguez in Dover and had a great summer there, but uh, Nick Rodriguez told me that if I wanted to do corporate law, which was an interest of mine in law school, that I needed to move north and head to Wilmington. So I did that. Uh, my second year summer was at Richards Leighton and Finger and was fortunate enough to receive an offer for permanent employment there and started in 1988, seems like forever ago. Um, 
working in corporate litigation with Charlie Richards, Frank Bellotti, uh, then Norm Vesey, later Chief Justice Vesey, and had a great experience there. Um, and then went from there to try to do some litigation work in a more general sense. So I went with a, a great trial lawyer here in Wilmington named Sid Balick to mm-hmm. learn how to try cases, which was a blast, had a great time doing that, but missed doing corporate and business litigation. There was less of that in the smaller firm. So I landed here at Morris James, which is where I was before I went on the bench um, to the Spirit Court. That was always a goal. I mean, all along, I thought if I had a chance that I would uh, love to serve in the Delaware judiciary. Um, Growing up, a lot of my role models were uh, judges from Dover. Charles Terry, Max Terry, uh, Myron Steele. So um, when I had that opportunity, I jumped at it and had probably the best 12 years of my professional life there. It's just a great court to be on. You know, I actually remember your investiture ceremony. I don't know why. <laughs> it was in the big old courtroom. Yeah, it uh, was. At the was old it? courthouse. It was a great, great ceremony. That's where Rich Galperin uh, handed me a book with a secret compartment for a Big Mac box because at the time (laughs) I was very much a McDonald's guy. (laughs) So he was worried that I would not have my my share of Big Macs. And so at the investiture presented me with that, probably one of the more embarrassing moments of my life. But yeah, that was a great, great event. So one thing I heard you talk about recently that I think our listeners might appreciate is your observations coming from the Superior Court back to private practice and how you observed the industry changing in those 12 years. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with technology. And I think if you lived it in practice, it probably did not seem quite as stark as it was to me having gone to the bench and then come back. But emails were certainly becoming the primary means of communication when I left in 2000 to go on the bench. But um, I don't know that they occupied the same importance that they do now in terms of transmitting data and all the rest. And importantly, the accessibility that comes with um, email communications and smartphones and all the rest. And to me, that was the principal difference, the extent of accessibility that clients, co-counsel, even lawyers within your own firm expected. And it puts a far greater demand on lawyers. And I'm not sure that judges on the bench, certainly judges who have served on the bench for a long period of time, have really any appreciation at all for that. How how demanding the profession has become, even though it has always been demanding. It is exponentially more so now, I think, with, uh, with just the greater accessibility that exists and is expected of lawyers. That's one thing. And then the other is obviously electronic discovery and the vast, I mean, with all the accessibility and the ease of communications comes a greater volume of data that's available relating to any controversy. It really doesn't matter what it involves, but certainly in business cases, the 
volume of data is uh, exponentially greater than it was 15, 20 years ago. And that causes greater expense, greater burdens on the lawyers to manage that, to make sure it's being reviewed properly, produced properly, gathered properly in the first instance. I mean, all of that was uh, very eye-opening to me coming back to the practice. Yeah. Of course, you've seen that in your special master yeah. as well, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, lots of fights over that. Um, you know, it, lots of opportunities for lawyers to either work together or not to, to make each other's lives easier or make each other's lives more difficult. And special masters tend to get involved when lawyers decide to make each other's lives more difficult. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, it's fascinating to watch, and there's certainly a lot of good nuggets of information there, a lot of important evidence, but there's also a lot of headaches and angst that it creates. Privilege logs are a whole different animal than they used to be, as you all discussed recently. Yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's really changed the practice of law, especially in the litigation context. Yeah, I, I was going to say... If you left in 2000, so I, re I remember, because I was practicing then, Kyle was probably in <coughs> kindergarten or something, but uh, I remember... With computer. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember, and you probably do too, sitting by the fax machine at some ungodly hour, waiting for somebody to send you comments, usually handwritten, Absolutely. from your co-counsel, and then running them down to the, you know, the... the Typist who you right. cajoled to stay late. Yep that that was that was the life of a corporate litigation associate is waiting by the fax machine for the brief to come in from New York or Chicago or wherever right. with handwritten comments and you'd have to run it off on the on the copy machine to make sure everybody had copies and then you'd start working on it. Yeah, and now mass blast email and yeah. everybody has it almost real time and. You know, life is easier that way to a degree, but it also makes life a little harder. And, you know, people, I don't think, are as sensitive to the time demands. You know, so getting an email for a midnight filing at 11.15 is not at all uncommon. Or 11.45. Or, or mm -hmm. you know, exactly. <laughs> is there a, something about being on the Court of Chancery that you're really looking forward to? Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing that you hear when I've met with several of the judges there just as part of the transition, the one thing that they talk about is the quality of lawyering. You know, some of the best lawyers in the country, both here in Delaware and outside of Delaware, practice in that court. And that's really, from a judge's point of view, probably the most fun I had as a judge was sitting on the bench watching really good lawyers do what they do from that perspective and just kind of sitting back and admiring the quality of the lawyering. And there's a lot of that to be done in the Court of Chancery because the lawyers are so good and do a really good job, not only in the written work product, but in the oral presentations. And I'm excited to be exposed to that. That's a lot of fun. Um, and it's exciting to be, 
you know, I say that now because I haven't done it yet, but, you know, the prospect of an expedited case and kind of getting in the, in the groove of, of an expedited matter and kind of the energy that goes with that is, as I naively sit here, <laughs> uh, exciting to me. Talk to me in a couple months and uh, <laughs> so, take yeah. these words back very quickly. Yes. We'll, but we'll, we'll follow up. Yes, exactly. They probably Little give the new up. guy all the PIs. So you can look yeah, I'm sure. No, I've already heard because <laughs> several cases have been reassigned that our firm has been involved in. So yes. the <laughs> judges are getting to pick the ones that they send to me and send back in yes. return. Yes. So. <laughs> I don't know if the quid is equal to the, the <laughs> quo. <Yeah. laughs> exactly. Um, is there something that you are sort of not looking forward to? Maybe it was an aspect that you know from having been on the bench previously. You're like, oh, I love lots of things. That is one part that I just don't like. Or Yeah, I mean, you know, folks who've heard me talk have heard this before. Um, as, as the bar gets bigger in Delaware, um, I'm not sure that we treat each other as well as we used to. Uh, I know in high stakes litigation, especially expedited litigation, when the pressure is already on, it's a little easier to litigate with sharp edges. And um, having to police lawyers has always been, as a judge, my least favorite thing to do. I don't think there's... Uh, more of that in the Court of Chancery than there is in any other court, but there's certainly some of that there. And lawyers who you respect and admire, you know, having to admonish them for not necessarily behaving their best on a given day is something that I do not look forward to, and yet I take that role very seriously. The job is hard enough when lawyers make it more difficult. Um, just because they feel like it or, you know, they woke up on the wrong side of the bed, that's a pet peeve of mine. I have a problem with that. We're all in this together and need to try to get through it as best we can. And, and yet I don't, I don't uh, look forward to that. I don't like doing it. But, um, you know, that's, as a judge, what I found to be probably the most difficult aspect of the job, frankly, aside from difficult decision-making in tough cases where, you know, you know there are consequences of your decision. But day-to-day in the grind of the, of the job, that's my least favorite part of it. I assume that you will be glad not to be forced to sentence anybody. Yes. <laughs> yes, I will say that uh, knowing that I've sentenced my last defendant is not something that upsets me terribly. <laughs> um, Unless he has to hold you in contempt, Pete. I, I, I you know. Yes. There, there is a lockup available oh. as, a, as a last resort. <laughs> yeah. And I certainly know how to do that. I'm just saying. So let the word go forth. Let the litigants beware. Yes. Right. So, I mean, it's fair to say that, that uh, not unlike it, you know, most other judges, I mean, you're you expect everybody to behave civilly towards each other and you'll come down in some fashion if people don't. Yeah. I mean, look, I appreciate the stress and strain of, of doing what we do. And I know that some of that, um, will, uh, at times 
unfold in the course of our interactions with each other. I think there are limits. There are lines that we all know, and my sense is people know when they've crossed those lines, so it doesn't come as a surprise. But yeah, I think it's important for the judge to, to be referee, to try to keep folks focused on what they're there to do and not the extraneous stuff that can sometimes get everyone distracted in the course of litigation and we spend a lot of time you know fighting over schedules and lengths of submissions and you know things that really at the end of the day don't make a big uh, difference in the outcome and yet you know we dwell on it and we don't necessarily uh, bend when we should bend um, now, I know you're not going to have necessarily <coughs> a lot of practical experience with this, but is there anything about either your preferences or a message you want to get out there or uh, tell people, look, if you're before me, I like this, I don't like this, something you want to let folks know? Yeah, I mean, I, I, a couple things that have occurred to me, it certainly is a newer judge um, and I will say this will probably be true 12 years from now as well. You know, I'm the first to admit I'm likely not the smartest guy in the room. Uh, I'll work as hard as anybody in the room, but, uh, you know, it's important to make sure that, especially on the Court of Chancery, where you have judges serving not only as referee but as fact finder, that um, you deliver information to them in a way that they can understand it and um, understanding as well the burdens on the court and the uh, caseload that I understand is uh, every year increasing and, and the burdens on the judges are increasing as well. So, um, you know, simplifying things is a good thing for uh, especially the new guy, making sure that he... <laughs> understands the nuances of the deal if it's deal litigation uh, the moving parts you know putting it in a way putting it forward in a way that maybe allows uh, me my law clerks to visualize what happened in a way that is easy to understand and follow so that the uh, legal arguments can um, can follow in a in a logical sequence that to me would be helpful. Uh, adverbs don't really help in that process. Um, <laughs> declarative sentences tell me what happened, but you know, really, 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 really is not that it's persuasive. Really not that helpful. Really it's not, not as persuasive as people might think. Exactly. So, um, you know, be declarative, be, be direct. Uh, that I've always found to be easier to read and therefore uh, more likely to allow me to understand the position you're taking. And of course, people should know that you're an absolute tyrant. Yes. Personally as well. That's right? very true. Yeah, I, so. I don't, you know, no, no suffering of fools. I, <laughs> One step out of line, and exactly. you know you're going to get you know held in contempt. I, and as I as I said earlier, I have locked people up before, and I'm not afraid to do it. <laughs> we 
We should uh, email this to everyone in New York and let them know. Yeah, you know, just in case they're they're you know, That's right. your your stay in Dover may be a little longer than you anticipated. <laughs> Bring a be. toothbrush. Exactly. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. So, uh, Your Honor, I know obviously you are transitioning to a, you know, a new court, but you have a lot of experience working um, in the judiciary and particularly with clerks. And I know for a fact uh, that many of your clerks, in fact, all that I have spoken to, speak very highly of your, your role as a mentor and that you actually are, are very involved with helping your clerks come up through the process and, and join the Dollar Bar. So with that in mind, what what is this magical advice that you are giving all of them uh, that's making them such excellent attorneys? <laughs> well, uh First and foremost, I encourage them to stay in Delaware. Not all of them have followed that advice. Uh, in fact, many of them haven't. But we've got a good thing going here, and this is a great place for young lawyers to quickly uh, make a name for themselves and a great place to flourish as, as lawyers, especially as litigators. So um, that's first and foremost the advice. And then... Uh, secondly, is to not necessarily go into the market uh, entirely as sellers, that they can be buyers too, that they need to find the right fit, that they need to make sure that the people that they're interacting with from top to bottom, associate level to partner, are people that they see themselves being able to uh, not only work with but become friendly with colleagues with for uh, a long stretch of time um, because that's what you're in it for if you can if it can work um, and then um, to not be uh, lastly not be convinced that you know precisely what area of the law you want to practice in at that age even with the experiences that you can get as a clerk uh, there are so many facets of our profession and so many things that um, are, I, I think, fascinating to learn and to be involved in that just because your experience is in litigation and litigation in one court doesn't necessarily mean that that's what's going to be most fulfilling for you professionally down the road. So to keep an open mind, to, if possible, go to a firm that will give you that flexibility to find your niche um, and to um, look for those opportunities to broaden your horizons um, because I think a lot of most uh, of the uh, lawyers younger lawyers that I've worked with end up doing something very different in the long term than they thought they would when they started so um, to me that's critically important and so for all those associates out there, and I guess partners too, who are doing a lot of writing, what um, do you feel makes a, a great brief, or what you know, qualities of writing do you think are most persuasive? Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, I think um, shorter, direct, declarative sentences are certainly much more effective in explaining a point uh, than um, you know a lot of fluff a lot of adverbs um, invective is not useful at all in Delaware especially judges 
uh, are very tuned into that and very turned off by it. And it can literally undo an otherwise well-done brief if there's even a sentence or two that crosses that line. Uh, not only in terms of reading that particular work product, but then the overall credibility of the case, frankly, of that lawyer. So be very careful, you know, as passionate as you might be about a point, be careful not to overstep in that regard. And that's advice that you hear from any judge, but I think the fact that you hear it so often means that it matters. I think judges in Delaware especially care about that. Um, and then lastly, uh, brevity. <laughs> um, you know, some of the best briefs you'll ever read uh, stop short of the page limit. Just because you're given 50 pages doesn't mean that you need to use 50 pages. If you could say it in 30, say it in 30. Chances are it's a better brief than the one that you would have submitted at 50. And in fact, it's probably a brief that was 50 pages right. that is now 30 pages <laughs> and is precisely what you want to say. So um, think long and hard about that. There's a lot of paper over there. I went to look at uh, my new office and saw the stacks of paper that are waiting for me, and it was almost enough to make me want to turn around and just walk out. So it's been a big mistake here. Never mind. Um, so, you know, understand that the volume of paper is, is staggering, and whatever you can do to contribute to lessening that volume, that will be much appreciated. I'm sure. Across the board. Yes. <laughs> Now, you know, one final question. Are you going to wonder where the jury box is when you walk in to court for the first time? Yeah, that's going to be the most disappointing thing <laughs> at the end of a trial is not to be able to just sort of wipe my hands, look at the jury and say, Godspeed. Right. <laughs> uh, that was so, a great thing at the end of a long, contentious trial. Didn't know that you read a few jury instructions and then go up to chambers and check your eBay auctions. <laughs> um, now you actually have to think through it and write something. So yeah, that's going to be probably the hardest transition of all is to actually have to render the verdict at the end of the trial. But you know, that's why we have really good law clerks. That's right. <laughs> we elect you foreman, so. Yes, <laughs> foreman for life. <laughs> Well, so. Joe, uh, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, we can't absolutely. thank you enough. It's been great, first of all, being your partner for the last three years. Likewise. And, and uh, you know, like I've said before, we're really going to miss you, but Delaware is better off for it. So That's I see to say. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Had a great three years here, but looking forward to another 12 good years back on the bench. Yes. All right. Thanks, Joe. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to today's episode of CorpCast. If you have questions, want to suggest a topic, or want to give us feedback, you can reach us at corpcast at morrisjames.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at DECorpCast, where we will put links to podcasts and information relevant to Delaware law. You can get more information on our firm's blog, DelawareBusinessLitigation.com, or be the first to know about content by subscribing to CorpCast through iTunes or any podcasting app. And before we go, I want to say goodbye, a sad goodbye to Kyle Gay. Thanks, Pete. She's she's leaving us. Um, maybe we can get her on in the future. I but, would love um, that. 
but uh, this will be her last podcast with us. I wanted to make sure we got Joe's podcast in before she left, but good luck, Kyle. Thank you very much. And we will miss you. Thank you. Thanks. We hope to see you again soon.